Okay. Welcome to another edition of Complete Media Network's uh, Complete Sports Media's uh, podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Darren Campbell. And as always, joining me on Monday, Jason Cameron. Hey, buddy, how are you? I am. I am good. I am good. I'm alive. I am well. I I, I, I had to drive a lot today for work, but it, it's okay. It was a really nice day today. So yeah, so. I heard it was supposed to rain. So I was pleasantly surprised with how nice uh, weather it was. Gorgeous out there. I, I enjoyed it myself. You're yeah. uh, and you're uh, in Dodger blue tonight. Uh, like the hat, like the shirt. Uh, any reason why Dodger blue today? Well, first off, for me, when it comes to hats, it has to just wear match the attire I'm wearing. So that's why. Okay. I have a blue shirt with a blue hat. <laughs> All makes right. Sense. Okay, <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. Good one. Um, so how was your weekend? Uh, get up too much? I'm going to be honest, man. I didn't do anything. <laughs> it was so gratifying. Actually, the only thing I, I did... I did. Okay. So I, I did do something. So Friday evening, I did some dry needling. And then Saturday, I did a sauna followed up by a deep tissue massage. Oh, wow. So that that was what my weekend was, was to get my my body back back into a good spot okay. and rest. Nice. That was- Tell me about the dry needling. What's that like acupuncture you're talking about? It, it's it's kind of like acupuncture, but it. it it's not because it sucks a lot more because what they do is they take that needle in there and they just kind of go, no, no, that's not it. That's uh, not, ah, there it is. And then your, your muscle spasms right out of control. Whoa. And it's almost like it's a, it's a release of tension from the muscle. Holy shit. And it, it, it works. It's great. But once the guy is trying to dig into your muscle with that needle, that, that's not, that's not great. That's uh, not a good, not oh, a great man, that sounds terrible i i don't like needles at all they were talking about needles today because of vaccinations and stuff and i was just like okay i gotta get out of here i don't want to talk about needles uh, i can't stand them so i i only did acupuncture a couple times but it didn't seem like needles but uh how long have you been doing the dry needling thing oh, a long time really? I, I've, been doing, I've been doing that for years like i find that uh, there's certain spots in my body that I absolutely need to do that because I just need that tension to be released. Yeah. And unfortunately for me, like I got, I got from a suffered from an old injury on my right hip. Okay. So dry needling is super effective there, mm. but it super also sucks and hurts, but it's needed. So nice. I did that Friday evening and then with the massage on Saturday, now I feel, feel, I feel great. So are you uh, are you getting close to uh, LeBron type numbers for the amount of money that you're putting into your body to keep it healthy? <laughs> you you are a joker, you're a jokester, <laughs> super joking. Okay, no, well, I don't think I will ever get to that point. Like even for a month of what he does, like not even for a month, but you know, it's important for us to try to uh, do maintenance and upkeep for our body, especially for what we do. So. Yeah. I do what I can. I nice. I can. Well, it's good. Does a lot of it covered uh, through your health plan and stuff? Yep. Nice. Uh, pretty much everything is covered. Great. Pretty much. I I make sure to use it all because yeah. why not? It's there for us to use. So yeah. I, I use it. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm probably in need of that type of stuff uh, right now. I'm feeling it in my body. I've been working a little bit hard uh, for the last little stretch. And yeah, I, I wake up and in uh, some pain almost every day and 
feeling it at times. Uh, uh, we get a we got a text this morning, and one of the guys threw his back out, and it was before even eight a.m. Was like he had to uh, move a a hospital bed from the set into the Riverview uh, elevator, and then down so we could get they could send it away. And I guess uh, in the transition of trying to flip it on its side and get it in there, he blew out his back. So before eight a.m., he was already on the shelf. Oh, oh, and I know, I know those elevators. I know what he had to do to flip it on the side. Mm. Those, those hospital beds, especially the mechanized ones, super heavy, <laughs> super ridiculously I heavy. Know. So, yeah. I, I hope that uh, your coworker is not on the shelf for a long time, but he could be. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, did you hear about our uh, bit of a COVID problem we've had now? Oh, no, no, I did not didn't hear know that. what happened. Uh, Is half the gone? You, you remember uh, uh, a friend of mine uh, tested positive for COVID last year, or was it earlier? Must have been. No, when was, was I on the shelf? Was I on the shelf last year? No, was it, was it earlier this year? Was it early? Maybe it was earlier this year, yeah. So, yeah. same guy, he's on the shelf oh, no. again. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. No. Um. I don't know for sure if he tested positive. Uh, some other crew member tested positive. He was working close with him, uh, but he has not got any vaccinations. And I think that's the reason why they uh, they shelved him, uh, put him up for two weeks and back at home. Uh, so second time this year. Yeah, I can't remember what month that was for me, but um, yeah, he's in that same boat again. So quick question for you that 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 leads me to a really good question so for those folks that are now for your show anyways that are vaccinated and they're exposed to covid is there a different protocol for them yeah is it not two weeks what is no, it no they uh they just had to get a test uh once they um found the results tested negative they were allowed to come back to work so immediately yeah wow okay so that's the difference okay yeah, yeah i never knew that that was the rule i didn't know that the protocols had changed to that but yeah i was uh i was pleasantly surprised because supposedly uh seven people had been in that boat and we uh on that other show when those yeah i think there were seven eight of us or something like that it just really messed up the whole crew uh you know suddenly we got we have a lead on the shelf all these dressers that have been working on these projects then you know everybody had to do Tons of different stuff, but this time uh, there's only, I guess, two guys out of the initial eight or seven or eight or something like that. So, oh, okay. Well, that's that's better. Yeah. I feel real bad for the the one dude, obviously, because he he's got it again. Hopefully, he didn't, but uh, it doesn't matter either way. He's gone for two weeks, so yeah. um, that sucks. But I'm glad that it was contained. I'm glad to hear it was contained. The other thing that came out of it was our lead um, had a lot of interaction with that. This is a whole crew at Riverview. Um, right. Our lead had a lot of um, interaction with that crew. And uh, the day they found out that he tested positive, she was on a tech survey driving around the city to all the locations. And all of a sudden, uh, the word came out to the health and safety people and her and um they just went kicked her off the bus left her standing on the street corner and drove away 
<laughs> they're like, nope, you're no longer coming on the text survey. We don't want you anymore. And see you later. Uh, I shouldn't make light of it because it was it was pretty bad. It was uh, really uncool. And uh, she was she was pretty upset, pretty mad about it. And um, yeah, I don't think it was the uh, handled very properly. And uh, yeah, so boom, she had to catch a cab uh, back to wherever she was going, I think back to home. And and um, yeah, they just uh, kicked her off the bus like she had some, you know, brutal uh, something wrong where they're like, goodbye, no longer. You're not welcome here anymore. Wow. They, they, they treated her like she was contaminated, like yeah. extremely like radiated. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm gonna, just going to say this. I don't know if that was the right thing to do. And I, I, like, I don't I just I, it just feels very very wrong to me, yeah. especially with the, the powers that be were actually on that, uh, that bus. Yeah. So they could have actually phoned for her for a cab. They didn't yeah. even do that. No. It was, All right. Yeah. Well, you're, you're useless to us. Thanks. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. Bye. It was pretty shocking. I, I was surprised when she came and told us all the news about how they handled it and how mad she was and upset about it. So Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think that'll ever happen again on our show. Uh, I think uh, people realized uh, that was the wrong way to handle it. And uh, oh, going, yeah. forward, going forward, uh, I don't think that'll ever happen again to this show anyway. But um, yeah, so uh, we've had a lot of um, interesting things happen at work. Um, the world of sports is a bit, uh, bit busier than it was last week. You and I uh, didn't have a ton to... Um, touch base on uh, obviously ufc this saturday which was great um but the dog days of summer are still here i uh, i was looking today on to see what was on tap for the uh sports landscape and uh, i could not believe what was happening on tsn2 they had all these shows today they had world championships in tons of sports and i was just stunned at the sports that are getting televised are having these guys playing in world championships and there's prize money these guys are pros uh i'm just gonna start listing off the show they would just have one after another after another after another uh this the golden tea world championship was today the golfing game that you play in the bar uh the air hockey invitational world championships they have something called slippery stairs world championships five men and women compete against slippery obstacles to race to the top of multiple flights of stairs and you you get prize money and uh, you actually uh win uh there was a cross net sand series this one sounds really cool i haven't seen it before i don't know anything about it but this is okay. called dodds it's the death diving world championships uh they said this is how they described it this global internet phenomenon uh pits both top male and female athletes who battle it out for the world title in death defying uh death diving world championships and it's held in oslo norway Okay, you know what? This this is what ha this is what happens when there's a pandemic. People have too much time on their hands <laughs> yeah. to come up with this stuff. All right, cool. That that's wow. 
Wow. <laughs> okay. I don't know what to say. <laughs> it was just so bizarre seeing it. All yeah. this crazy stuff. Uh, right now, currently, we're in the uh, second hour of the Cornhole World Championships. It's on right now from South Carolina. And uh, following that, just probably right when we're finishing, you, you don't want to miss it. It's the Disc Golf World Championships. And uh, this is on... Uh, <laughs> I guess this is all on ESPN Ocho. I think that means eight. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. ESPN eight. So I, I didn't know ESPN had eight channels, but this is the Ocho and it's just showing all these obscure, crazy, wild world championships from sports. I never even knew that uh, had world championships. Neither did I. Neither did I. Maybe there's a reason for it, possibly. <laughs> but uh, this is... Wow. Like I, wow. Okay, cool. If I was, if I was home today, I would have uh, put together some videos I could have shown you and we could have shown our viewers and uh, had some of our listeners uh, tuning in and we would have tried to describe it play by play a little bit of it, but uh, not possible today. Uh, Too busy out and about, but um, yeah, these dog days of summer are pretty bizarre. I was, shocked i was looking and looking and looking and thinking oh my god like look at all these things that are happening but uh currently right now uh it's monday night football uh the saints are beating the jaguars uh 23 to 3 jaguars um man worst team in the nfl last year and uh sure not looking good tonight uh yeah not not impressive haven't uh turned this thing around quite yet no no, I don't think they're going to be doing that this season. They might not do it next season. It might take a couple seasons for that franchise to turn it all around. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, did you uh, have you seen all the? Speaking of bad football teams, have you seen how uh, decimated with injuries the Jets have been? Well, I, I know that you, you you told me about the one guy. I think he. He blew his Achilles. Yeah, ruptured ruptured his Achilles, which was sucked. Um, But I don't know about the rest. How many, like, was there a lot of starters that got injured? Yeah, it's just continuing. It's just brutal. Um, So they just found out for the weekend, uh, their linebacker, Gerard Davis, uh, expected at least least a couple months with a brutal left ankle injury. Uh, The guy that you talked about, uh, that's Carl Lawson ruptured his Achilles tendon. He's, um, he was the big free agent signing defensive end that they had uh, to try to come in and uh, help the quarterback. Uh, they lost, uh, also lost safety Zane Lewis. He uh, suffered a seizing engine injury, uh, tore his patella tendon and sprained Ooh. his MCL really bad. Uh, they needed these guys for, to protect uh, Zach Wilson and, and help out on defense, try to bring things on. Uh, Zach Wilson has actually looked really, really good in the preseason so far. Uh, On the weekend, he was 9 for 11, 128 yards and two touchdowns. His passer rating was 154.7, which is nearly perfect, if not perfect. Uh, They beat Green Bay 23-14 at Lambeau. Uh, He's had six different possessions in the two games he's been on. Uh, no, no three and outs. And um, he's looked actually, uh, yeah, quite composed. But um, decimated with these injuries and other guys have been injured too. Not season enders, but um, they were going to be banged up for a few weeks. So 
Um, yeah, it's too bad. To, you know, usually you see these teams uh, suffer at the bottom, get these high draft picks and get a chance to move up. But it looks like Jacksonville and New York will still be uh, near the bottom again. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're perennial bottom feeders, but you know what? I think they're getting used to it. So I think they're going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. I guess uh, Jets fans, I used to be a Jets fan, but uh, they lost me. They, they really lost me many years ago. They're, they're just unable to put together a competitive team very often. Uh, Really good news here from uh, the NFL though. Uh, AJ Brown, the Titans wideout expected to be ready for the season opener. Uh, his knee injury has held him out of practice and, and a lot of the preseason so far. Um, he had procedures done on both knees in January. He missed uh, OTAs and minicamp. He's missed um, some time, quite a bit of time earlier this season. He missed uh, weeks three and four last year, but he, um, but he still had a phenomenal Pro Bowl year. Uh, 70 catches, 1,075 yards, and 11 touchdowns. And one of the guys that we talked about a lot last year, just such a force, such an incredible guy, hard to bring down, uh, so big and so talented. Yeah, he, he is an incredible athlete, and he's an incredible offensive weapon for that team. So hopefully they, they better bring him along slowly because yeah. they don't want to ruin his potential to come back and to have an effect on the field. Yeah, no kidding, yeah. Um, some other good news uh, with um, the NFL coming uh, coming back is Carson Wentz. Uh, they say that they're very optimistic he'll actually be ready for opening day. Uh, he had a procedure done to remove a bone from his foot only three weeks ago. And uh, they've actually, he was out to practice today. And uh, they said that uh, he's really had a very, very quick turnaround. Uh, This timetable estimation for this type of surgery is usually about five to 12 weeks. So he's uh, way ahead of schedule Uh, there. One of his guards actually uh, had the same surgery and same type of procedure. And he returned to practice today too. So they're doing some really good things there. And um, yeah, Carson, um amazingly enough uh he's back uh after i heard about this brutal broken foot uh it sounded like um you know he would be back mid-season if that yeah of course because you think that uh, an injury of that significance would take time to heal but who knew that if you just remove the bone from your foot you're just going to get better automatically (laughs) it's kind of funny because it's like well didn't he need that bone apparently not he did not (laughs) <laughs> let's just let's just rip it out of there he probably didn't need that thing did he like who's the first do- who's the first doctor to say okay i know the procedure yeah we're taking this bone right out of there we, he doesn't need that thing yeah he, he just doesn't need it anymore and neither does that other guy he doesn't need that bone either <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty weird man pretty pretty strange uh, but uh yeah good to see him back i really actually didn't think we would be talking about him and uh, we had talked about, uh, you know, he, him being replaced by his, his old re- replacement and, you know, not being able to ever really get away from the injury troubles he's had. But, uh, yeah, so far he's looking like he's uh, back on track to play opening opening day. Yeah, well, that's that, that's fantastic because I'm, I'm interested on what he has to 
has to give? Like, what what can he prove? Can he prove that he still belongs on the field? Yeah. Can he can he still uh, produce numbers? You know? So, did you hear the big news about Giannis Antetokounmpo? But he, did he make more money? <laughs> uh, well, he actually spent some money, and oh, okay. he decided he was going to uh, become a part owner of the Milwaukee Brewers baseball team. Oh, oh, all right, not bad. Uh, obviously, a minority owner. He got a minority stake in it. But hey, that's what all that money can get you. <laughs> it can get you. He's, become an owner. <laughs> yeah, he, he said he was so excited. He couldn't believe uh, how cool this was. I guess uh, him and his uh, team that he calls his uh, people um, looked into buying uh, an ownership of a soccer team uh, over in Europe. Uh, then he um, realized that when uh, Patrick Mahomes did the deal for the Kansas City Royals and became a minority owner, he thought, Oh, maybe that's something I uh, I want to check into. So uh, he did, and um, yeah, he said super excited. Uh, not super well uh, versed on the game of baseball, but he said he's going to be, and uh, he's gonna you know put a lot of effort into being an owner. And he said uh, one of the coolest, one of the most exciting things that's ever happened to him. That you know what it, it it's it's fantastic to see a lot of. Uh, recently, a recent thing, a lot of the like the real celebrity black athletes step up and start to become part of ownership yeah. in the in a lot of these uh, teams across the North America, and that's good because that's the representation that we don't have yeah. as of yet, but yeah. it's coming, yeah. and it seems to be coming in waves and droves because now these guys are making money to the point of like you know Patrick Mahomes half a billion dollars, yeah, that's a little bit of cake. You can become an owner with that. Yeah, some money. Eh? Yeah. Uh, this is his quote. Uh, he said, man, this is unbelievable. This is a dream come true for a kid from Athens, Greece, born from immigrant parents. I could have never imagined I would ever be in a position like this. And uh, the Brewers principal owner, Mark Atanasio, uh, joked that he uh, wondered if uh, they're GM might be able to use him at first base as a 6'11 guy. He would have quite the reach. He would be able to be almost touching the pitcher when he's standing on first base and, and uh, be able to get that ball delivered in. And uh, he was wearing a, a cool jersey with his number 34 on it. And um, yeah, it was a really fun press conference. I recommend checking it out. Oh, man, that's awesome. I, I, it's just, that's great to hear him say it like that. Like, where, considering where he came from to where he is at this point in time at this moment it's awesome super awesome uh going back to uh oh, oh i'm just gonna finish off uh, he said uh, milwaukee made me who i am today uh he signed a five-year 228 million dollar supermax contract in december with milwaukee after there was lots of speculation that he was going to go somewhere else and and win with one of the big, big teams. Uh, he said, being in Milwaukee made me a better person. This is my home now. I've become a father here. I've become a leader here. I've now become a champion here. And I want to be involved in all the Milwaukee sports. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah, they, cool. he's, plant, he's planting his roots deep and he's not going anywhere. Yeah. So the city should be very, very happy. Oh, so great. Really great. 
Um, going back to football, uh, I forgot to mention that Cam, uh, Cam Newton has been sidelined with a COVID protocol. Uh, he had a little bit of a uh, medical appointment that he had in a uh, neighboring state. And because he left the state, uh, he has to have a five-day quarantine uh, before he's allowed to resume practice. And it wasn't uh, told to him. He, the, the Patriots knew about this procedure and had, had uh, signed off on it. And he was going to uh, get the appointment and everything. So um, all of a sudden, when he returned and somebody found out, Boom, he's been put on the shelf. And uh, Belichick said early on that uh, he's the starter. He's my guy going in. But so far, Mac Jones has outplayed Cam. He's had way more snaps. He's he's played a bit better for sure. And now he's uh, going to have another five days of practice getting ready for another game. So I'd say Cam, uh, yeah, might uh, be second string uh, when the season starts. You think it was a setup? You think they set him up intentionally? Wow. Because, well, like, because, like, that, that would be brutal. I want to say that there's no way that they would. No. But would they? Jeez. Would they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't put it past Belichick. Uh, he's been a exactly. pretty dirty, underhanded little guy there. But, <laughs> geez, yeah, that didn't cross my mind. But, uh, yeah, good point. Yeah, man. Like, hey, I, I, I would like to think that they wouldn't. But, like you just said, Belichick. He's ruthless. He's lethal, man. Like he, yeah. he just, he, he doesn't care. I need a win now. He is very ruthless. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Uh -huh. Um, okay. Uh, basketball. I want to go back to basketball. Uh, today, Kobe Bryant would have turned 43 years old. Uh, it was his birthday today. Uh, tragically, Lost his life on January 26, 2020 in the helicopter crash. Uh, lots of really cool tributes today to Kobe. A lot of footage of him uh, as a player and as a dad and uh, his um, work in the community after. Um, tell me about your favorite memories of Kobe. Oh... I, I, I would say one of my favorite memories of Kobe was when he, when he did the impossible, when he, he scored that 81 points against yeah. Toronto in the Raptors game. Like I, I watched that game. Yeah. As I'm watching the game, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. He's not missing. He's not missing anything. Yeah. Ah, okay. And then I'm like, okay, well, he usually likes to shoot a lot anyway. So how many points is he going to score? Yeah. Never in my wildest dreams. Did I come up with the number of 81? No. I, I thought he'd get 60, you know? Yeah. But then he just kind of kept going. And I was just like, I have no idea when this is going to stop. 81 points? That was that was special, man. Yeah. I, I, hey, I'll never see anything like that again. I'm That's pretty true, sure yeah. Mind. Yeah, I watched that game as well, and uh, I couldn't believe what he was doing. Uh, yeah, he was just unstoppable. Uh, they were throwing everything they possibly could, you know, as he kept getting more points. It's like, okay, double him, triple him. He's not passing the ball. Nobody else is taking shots. Just get him. But he, he still would beat them. Uh, it was uh, so phenomenal. Um, I wrote down a few of uh, his, you know, favorite moments for me. And that was at the top of the list. Also his 60 points in his final game, which is, you know, so phenomenal, really, really neat. 
Uh, everybody knew it was his final game. So all the stars came out and every time he got a bucket, uh, they would show Snoop Dogg, they'd show Ice Cube, they'd show Jack Nicholson, they'd just show celebrities and everybody's dancing and having fun and just, holy cow, what is he doing? And he just uh, threw in 60 points in his final game. It was pretty incredible. Yeah, that was incredible, man, because at, I, if I remember correctly at first, it didn't look good. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't able to hit anything. And then he hit that, that Hall of Fame button, as it were. Where it's just like, oh, no, no, no. It's not going to end like this. I'm going to start hitting some shots yeah. right about now. And then yeah. all the greats have it within them where they just go, no, no, I'm just going to have to dig a little bit deeper, yeah. deeper than anybody else can go. And I'll get there. Yeah. And he did. Yeah, he sure did. Yeah. Uh, I wrote down, uh, he scored 62 uh, against Dallas in first three quarters. And then they benched him for the rest of the game because they were completely dominating Dallas. Uh, who knows what he could have scored um, if he played the full four quarters. Uh, and the 55 points he put up against Michael Jordan, uh, just a phenomenal game. And he always said that, um, I'm better than Michael. If we would have played in our prime, I would have kicked his butt. And he, uh, you know, always sort of felt like uh, Jordan was a bit of a big brother. Jordan looked at him as a little brother and sort of on the same type of level they were the same height same sort of body type uh you know played a lot of the same game kobe even seemed to have his mannerisms when he took his shots when he made his moves he really imitated a lot of jordan and and uh yeah i just i just remember that 55 that he put up against jordan and the bulls and it was uh just one of those spectacular moments to watch well yeah because it's like that's it's almost like one of those moments when the student surpasses the mentor yeah. surpasses the teacher and that it's like the passing of the torch happened right at that moment yeah. and it, it's it was it's cool to see because huh that's that's michael jordan that you did that against uh, yeah. that's just not oh, any that's not no scrub that's not anybody that's michael jordan and so it means a lot to kobe knowing that he could do that against him because if he can do that against him he can do that against anybody no shit yeah exactly yeah amazing uh, there was a video tribute today that was just really, really, really good. And it was um, narrated by Snoop Dogg. Uh, I think I saw it on ESPN. So uh, if you want to uh, take a look at uh, some of the tributes that were today, that one was my favorite. It turned out pretty amazing. Um, did you see any of the sit down with Draymond Green and Kevin Durant the other day? Heard about it. Oh, okay. didn't see it though. Oh, man. So good. So, so, so good. Watch it. Take a look. Uh, I couldn't believe uh, Draymond was just, you know, boom, rarely brutally uh, to the point, just said, hey, you know, that fight we had uh, on the court in, uh, with the Clippers, uh, did that contribute to you leaving here? Um, he, basically, KD said that uh, the way the Warriors organization uh, Steve Kerr, um, all the, you know, GM and all, all the people, uh, at, you know, in the front office, they handled it wrong. And that's when he realized that, um, they weren't going to have his back and, uh, he, he was going to look for another place to play. It was, um, yeah, it was crazy. It was really, really, really interesting to, to watch them interact and, and some of the questions and it, it, Draymond was do, be, doing the interviewer 
role and uh kd was the interviewee and uh it was it was really good i i'd recommend it heavily yeah because i think one of the one of the points that was made i don't know if i have the guy's name right i think it was rob Kalinka or something like that i thought his name was mentioned as one of the main things the main antagonist to this oh, okay. anyways it was it was it was during like one of the warriors like once once they won the championship and there was a comment made about something about like uh, contract talks with uh, Steph Curry as opposed to KD. And then the guy made a snarky comment to, to the effect of, well, Steph is Steph and that's not what KD is to us. It's almost like he hasn't earned that, right? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, yeah, you could probably think that, but don't say it in front of, I don't know, everybody on TV in front of millions of people. Right. Like, like you, you may think it, but that's one of those things you don't say. No. You said it. And then I think that's where that it's almost like you could take that comment and be like, that was the start of everything falling apart. Yeah. Uh, Rob Plinko is a, a GM in, uh, with the Lakers, but Bob okay, Myers sorry. is the GM with, uh, with the Warriors. Cool. So, Bob, okay. Thank, Bob Myers you. thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I recommend it. Uh, I, I've been having a lot of troubles when I put up some YouTube things on my channel. When I post it on YouTube, all of a sudden it takes them a few hours to do checks and make sure that uh, it uh, clears and they say, no, it didn't clear. So you're not going to be able to post this or now we're going to have to have you pay us money. And there's been a lot of issues and stuff like that. I'm hoping to get a chance to figure out with youtube uh, how to best do this but i would have loved to just show a little snippet of that clip but uh i'll post the the link in my um, description when i post it on youtube and and take a look um really cool sit down uh i i you know i talked about them seeming to repair their relationship when they went to the olympics and played with each other uh they seem to um interact on the bench quite well on the court and uh, it seemed like they buried the hatchet because there was some definitely uh, problems between the two of them uh, for a while there. Oh yeah, no, no, there was uh, the animosity was real, very, very, very real, and as they said, it was exacerbated by the front office and by the coach Steve Kerr, which I still kind of like. I, I don't know how Steve Kerr was thrown into that. I, I really, I, I look at, I look at that and I go, does he seem like that kind of person to me? Just from what I see off off TV, I'd say no, but. Mm. Ah. I'm not around. I'm not around the team all the time like they are. I, I don't. I have no idea. But at the same time, they they did place blame on them a ton. But my question is, could they have done? Could they have handled the situation better? The two of them. Yeah, I think they could have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess they asked um, Draymond to apologize, and he said absolutely not. And he <laughs> said basically, I just laughed in their face when they gave me a one-game suspension. I just like ha ha ha. And he said they were shocked at my reaction. And he's like, "Give me a break. That's such a joke." And he just uh, moved on. But yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it's uh, it's too bad because we could have seen a dynasty that could have won. You know, multiple, multiple championships for many years. And, and um, yeah, it's strange when you see that, you know, with Kobe and Shaq having their issues, they could have just, you know, just been one of those teams where you look back 
you know, decades and decades and just think, holy cow, they won, you know, all those championships in a row or, you know, eight out of 10 or something crazy. And um, sometimes these egos just clash and they just can't get along. No, no. And, and also, too, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just going to say it. Even if KD did stay, I think he still would have been unfulfilled. Right. Because at the end of the day, that team is still Steph Curry's. Yeah. It'll never be his. He would still be playing, quote unquote, second fiddle. Right. And he'd have to be good with that. Yeah. So would, would he be good with that? Because I know with Shaq and Kobe, neither of them was good with playing second fiddle to the other guy. Yeah. Neither of them would have it. Word having it. Right. So they had to split. Yep. You know, like, they, there's only one guy that I could think of that was like, no, I'm good with playing second fiddle to this guy. That was Scottie Pippen to Michael Jordan. Sure. He was way okay with it. Yeah. You want to know why? Six championships will do that for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would take that in a heartbeat for sure. Yeah, me too, yeah. me too. Yeah. Uh, some other cool news out of the NBA. Uh, there is a mayor mayoral candidate for the city of Montreal and he has uh, started his political um, platform saying that he wants to get the NBA into Montreal. He, uh, uh, he has uh, said he has huge plans. If he's elected, he's going to go great guns and, and lure the NBA uh, to the city. Uh, his name is Ballarama Wholeness. Uh, he's joined a new party. They're called uh, Movement Montreal. And uh, he said the city has a proven track record of staging NBA preseason games. They've got um, a great arena, the Bell Center. Uh, they have um, already had lots of games there. And they've got these great NBA players that have just recently emerged out of there. Uh, Lou Gentz Dort and Kem Birch. Uh, he said they are a large international metropolis with one of the world's most culturally culturally and linguistically diverse populations and um he says elect me in i'm gonna get the nba here what do you think uh oh you know what it's a great platform to try to get him in there i don't know if there's enough basketball voters but you know cool <laughs> um and also too i i love the i love the idea of having another nba team in canada yeah. i i think we i think Number one, first off, we should never have lost our team in the first place. No. I think it was a travesty that we did yeah. or that we were set up to fail. Actually, that was probably more to the point. We were set up to fail. No. So it would be great to see another NBA team come to Canada. I just don't know if it should go to Montreal. Right. I think it should come here. Come here, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's expand it, uh, you know, in both cities. Uh, and I, I think there's – uh, possibility of doing it twice. Um, Adam Silver said in July that expanding beyond 30 teams is a possibility, uh, but there is no immediate priority for doing that. Um, in 2018, a local business group uh, had approached the NBA and expressed some interest, uh, saying that they would bankroll a bid for a franchise. And uh, so they have the ownership group in place and and uh yeah i know that uh, it would be phenomenal to have some more teams uh basketball's never been more popular in this country than it is right now especially from toronto winning that championship uh i 
I never thought basketball would be more popular in a, in the spring, early summer compared to hockey. But that year, the Raptors did. Um, they were it was more popular than hockey in this country. Uh, lots more people were interested in watching the NBA playoffs than the NHL playoffs, and it was pretty shocking. Yeah, it was shocking, but it was super cool, man. It was awesome to see, and also too, there's been an an influx of interest because of just how many Canadians are now making the league. Yeah. It's like our, our top end talent is really high end now. Like, yeah. like we, we are at that point right now. And it's, it's fantastic to see the younger generation getting into the league from this country. Yeah. No kidding. Um, speaking of uh, hotbeds and uh, basketball, uh, really great cities, um, your hometown uh, was uh, featured again this uh, this weekend. Uh, the Fraser Valley Bandits of the CEBL made the semifinals again this year. Uh, they lost out by one bucket uh, in the semifinal to advance. They were trying to advance to the final for the second year in a row. Uh, they lost 84-82 to Niagara. Uh, they they had a system where if, as soon as the first team to score 84 was winner and uh, the uh, point guard had the ball and he went up and threw it off the glass and it approached the hoop and it fell out. Uh, Niagara marched down the floor, put up a three and, and won the game 84, 82 uh Edmonton ended up uh advancing to the final and winning for the second year in a row and uh, became the national champions um I'm really hoping that this league keeps flourishing I think it's super important for development of Canadians and a lot of basketball players that are playing in Europe can come here and showcase their talents and, and be able to be home close to family um, I love it, and I'm glad Abbotsford's becoming uh, a city that's a destination for a lot of sports fans. Yeah, that, that's that's fantastic to see. That's fantastic, man. Like I, I'm actually now that you've mentioned that, I'm excited to go see a game. Yeah, which will definitely happen at some point in time when the season starts up again. So it's it's good, and also too, it garners interest from our young people to get into the sport of basketball. My, uh, my brother from another mother, Alex Campbell, was the team high 19 points. Their guard, uh, Kenny Manigault, uh, just missed that layup. Oh, I was watching it, and I was, I was so shocked that it fell out, and they, they lost. Um, uh, Niagara, Phil Scrub came down and, and scored that. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, good success so far for, for the Fraser Valley Bandits. Uh, yeah, they've been in the final. They were in the final last year, semifinal this year. Next year, they're going to do it. Um, and then the other uh, sports team that's in Abbotsford now is the Abbotsford Canucks. The new AHL team for the Vancouver Canucks is in Abbotsford. And it's so great because they have uh, such access to their young guys. Any guys that are rehabbing injuries, coming back after layoffs can be there. Uh, they need a guy immediate because of an injury, quick call up, just drive from Abbotsford to here in an hour, hour and a half or whatever it takes. And boom, so exciting. Can't wait to go to some games. Uh, really, really thrilled that your hometown has the Canucks now. And uh, it's really going to be super fun. They've got the Johnny Canuck logo 
really reasonably priced tickets and um, I hope it's sold out all the time. I think a, a ton of people in the Valley are going to flood there and uh, really support this team. It, it's, it sounds like uh, Abbotsford's going to be a real sports town now, which is cool. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And also, too, I love the fact that um, they're very close to the Canucks. Like that team is very close to the Canucks. They're like a hop, skip, and a jump away. So yeah. I think that will do well for both squads, both teams, for sure, both yeah. franchises. Yeah, it's so great. Uh, incredible. Yeah, so – uh, lots going on in the world of basketball, world of football, and uh, why don't we turn to the uh, UFC that happened on Saturday? We uh, we had a great card, um, top to bottom, uh, tons of really really good fights. All the 50k bonuses went to the uh, early fights, uh, the prelims, and some incredible knockouts. Uh, there was just KO after KO after KO, and it was like. How are, how are they going to decide on this 50K? This is going to be really, really, really tough. Uh, what did you think of this card top to bottom? I thought it was really good. Like I, I was actually pleasantly surprised because there's a lot of new names on this card. I'm yeah. not going to lie. There's a lot, lot of, a lot of fighters that you normally do not get to see or they're usually on prelim cards themselves. So I was... I was pleasantly surprised with how it turned out. It was yeah. a very, very good card. Yeah. Uh, the main event had uh, Jared, the killer gorilla cannoneer, facing uh, Kelvin Gastelum. And you and I talked about how important this was for Gastelum. Uh, he was on, uh, he had won, uh, lost four of his last five. Now it's five out of the last six. Uh, he, he was game, but he just didn't have enough. Um, it was a, a close fight, uh, three rounds to two rounds. Uh, Cannonier ended up taking the victory, but um, yeah, it was a really tough battle. Uh, Cannonier uh, was a better fighter in my mind, but um, yeah, what did you uh, what did you think? I thought to myself, like Gastelum, unfortunately, is fighting the best yeah. guys now. Yeah. And he's just falling short against the best of the best. That's mm -hmm. basically what's happening to him. And from my, from my perspective for this fight, I thought Cannonier just controlled the fight better than Gastelum did. Right. He didn't allow Gastelum to do things to him. Like, for instance, get him up against the cage. It was almost like his circling around the cage mm -hmm. was exceptional. Yeah. He, his back never really touched the cage. Right. Like it really like he he just didn't allow that to happen. And uh and then he he stuffed every shot that Gaslam had. I believe he was 0 for 7 for takedown attempts. Yeah, they said so 0 for 8, but uh I thought he got one takedown, but uh they said 0 for 8 in the stats for sure. Okay, so and and I remember when DC said, "No, that's a takedown." And I'm like, "Well, <laughs> I guess it's not because they didn't count." <laughs> I'm going to go for 0 for 8. Like, like yeah. Kenanier, like he just took certain things away from Gastelum's game yeah. and he didn't allow it to happen. And on top of that, in the third, where he dropped him with that huge hook. Oh, well, first off, normal people don't pop back up don't like it was up. Yeah, he got up. And he, he did. Yeah. And I was, I remember looking at it going, what is, no, what, what, how did he do that? Yeah. <laughs> how did he just pop back up? I know. But um, yeah, his, his, I thought Kenyon's countering was better. I thought his movement was absolutely fantastic and stellar. And uh, yeah, 
it, it was just a very well thought out fight plan by his team against Gastelum. Yeah. He yeah, he was, uh, yeah, amazing execution. Uh, just so great. Um, yeah, and uh, it's, it's hard to know what's wrong with Gastelum, why he can't uh, break through. He is facing the best of the best. He has faced all those top guys. Um, and he probably gave Adesanya his toughest test outside of Jan Blahovic uh, when Adesanya went up in weight. Um, yeah, he really, uh, you know, gave the, the champ everything he could handle. He's now working with Henry Cejudo, and I thought that was a really brilliant move, and uh, I thought, um, yeah, he would be able to come in there and, and do some damage. But um, it just seems like Cannoneer has uh, finally put things together, found his weight class. Uh, they did showcase quite a bit of him starting at heavyweight, going to light heavyweight, and now he's middleweight. It's uh, an amazing story, and it's amazing that a guy could be – the shape he was in and, and win and, you know, make his USC debut and then be able to work himself down and have the body that he has. He's so cut. He's so lean and so powerful still. Uh, it's a, an incredible transformation and man, amazing that he could drop 70 pounds and be uh, this, in, in this incredible shape and, and beating, uh, you know, the best of the best in this division. He's an Adonis. Like his his body is like a Greek Adonis, man. Like it's it's actually absolutely amazing. But what what's what's more spe- what's special about Jared's situation is the work that he put in oh. to get to that point. He put in an exceptional amount of work, and then that's what I keep saying about some of these bigger guys. Like if you put in the work, well, then that's the success that you can have too as well. But you actually have to be willing to sacrifice to put in that much work. Because that's not easy, man, what uh, Kenyonier did. That is not easy whatsoever. But he's reaping the rewards now. And that's what you want to see. That's where you want to get to. Yeah, he set a record for the most uh, significant strikes. And, um, yeah, he said he's broke. He wants a title shot. He wants to get paid. He um, went on to say that, uh, uh, you know, the people at the top of these divisions – should get paid like elite athletes and they're not yet. And he thinks it's wrong and uh, he hopes that things can change. Uh, He's talking about if they won't give him a title shot right away, uh, he would like to fight the winner between Darren Till and Derek Brunson, which could be um, absolutely phenomenal fight as well. uh, Whoever emerges from that. Um, Do you think he's earned this title shot? Yeah. Cause who else is there? Mm. Like, there's, there's, yeah, he, he gets his title shot. Like, whoever wins between Adesanya and it's Whitaker, they're fighting again, right? Yeah. Whoever, whoever wins between that, then that's Canyoneer's shot. Cool. You can't take that away from him. Like, mm. I, I don't think, what, what, what sort of argument could you have to take it away from him? Mm. I don't think it exists. What's, uh, what's Gaston going to do now? Well, if he doesn't get cut, yeah, he 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 he's gonna have to start from the draw, like from 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 the from the from the from the starting block again. Like he's yeah. gonna have to work his way back up the rankings, even with the fact that I don't know if he's actually gonna fall that far, because it was Kenny near number three, he's number nine. Like so, he might fall out of the top ten, but barely. You yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. I I yeah, but he's gonna have to start uh, from the back again and try to rise up. 
but uh, it's gonna it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be long, and then hopefully he doesn't get cut. Like I said again, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens with him. There was a little rumors uh, that maybe Brad Tavares is his next opponent, uh, but there was also a lot of people saying that he should go down one seventy. Uh, not sure if his body type um, can make that work, but. Uh, uh, he's never been a very cut guy. He's never been able to be really ripped. So I'm not sure if he can um, get there and uh, yeah, get, get to 170. Not sure if that's his move, but um, yeah, it's surprising that a guy that gave the champ the hardest fight he's had uh, is now lost five out of the last six and starting to fall out of that top 10 and become irrelevant and be on the verge of being cut. It's uh, it's quite the fall from grace. Yeah, it, and it happens, man, and it can happen in an instant. But what also can happen in an instant is his rise back to the top, and we've seen that before too as well. Right, yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, the co-main event uh, had Mark O. Madsen uh, against Clay Guida. Uh, Guida's, um, yeah, that Energizer bunny and uh, always fun to watch, but um, the Olympian Mark Madsen is on a tear, and he's – uh, he said he's running out of time. He's old and he wants to get a title shot. So he wants a lot of fights. Uh, Three-time Olympian, silver medalist in 2016. Um, they've talked about all the things that he's gone through, him and his family. Um, he didn't fight for 533 days because of numerous reasons. He had a broken jaw that they did surgery on. It didn't work. They had to do it twice. His wife has been diagnosed with MS. He uh, had his house completely destroyed and they lost their house um, just on and on and on a heartbreaking story, but um, he is, uh, he looked phenomenal. And uh, yeah, I think uh, if they can get him into fights, I think he has a really good chance to really go up in, into this uh, weight class and, and uh, yeah, beat a lot of really talented guys. Yeah. And, and also too, on top of that, he's still undefeated. Yeah. The man's still undefeated. Um, he would look great in this fight. Like he, he took his time with this fight. Anytime he got close, he got into a clinch position. He was utterly dominant against Guida. Guida really had no answers for him whenever he was in the clinch. That Greco-Roman wrestling really came to the fore and you could see it yeah. through great knees when he was in the clinch too, as well. Um, his movement was, it was fantastic. He popped the jab really well. And uh, he, he dealt with Clay's dashing in and throwing his wild combos and stuff like that. He did really well. But yeah. I want to say this. Guida actually looked really good with his hands. Yeah. And the way he threw his combos, I, I, was, I was impressed. I was just yeah. like, wow, oh, I, I've, I've seen this, this side of Guida for a long time. Like his hands looked really good. And obviously, it was a very close and competitive fight. Madsen came out with the split decision win, but it was close. Yeah. It, was clo it was closer than I thought it would be. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, definitely had a lot of volume. <clears throat> I just wish he would throw a lot more straight punches. Uh, his hooks were just yeah. being evaded too often by Madsen. I, I wish if he would have thrown more jabs, more straight uh, rights, I think he would have landed more. I think Madsen was picking him apart with that with those straight punches and Guida's were hooks were missing way too often. Uh, I think uh, he, he should have changed it up a little bit and he, he might've been able to take this. Uh, as he said, it was a split decision. Um, he became uh, one of uh, very few fighters. Uh, I don't know if I have it right in front of me, but 
He passed six hours in octagon time. I think only about five guys in history have ever got that. Uh, 39 years old and, and still, um, yeah, just that Energizer Bunny. So much uh, adrenaline. And uh, let's see, um, where does it have here? Oh, yeah. So, uh, oh, he's the ninth fighter all time. USC history, more than six hours of octagon time. Uh, he... Yeah, he's he's you know one of those veterans that have been around so long. He's actually a Hall of Famer. His Diego Sanchez fight is in the Hall of Fame as one of the greatest fights of all time in UFC history. Uh, that was his thirty-first UFC appearance, and um, great to see these veterans. Uh, we say that a lot. I say that a lot. Uh, it's really nice to see guys that can keep continuing their career into their late thirties and even into their forties. Yeah, no, it's. Uh... The man is uh, built to last, that's for sure. And uh, he never gets tired. It doesn't matter how old that dude gets. He never gets tired in the octagon. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. It is. It's really cool, yeah. Uh, okay, we mentioned the uh, heavyweight battle between Parker Porter and Chase Sherman uh, last week heading into this. And you said, you know, you really just hope that Porter would come in uh more in shape and be able to showcase his ability um i was pretty impressed with his gas tank i thought chase sherman was super gassed and having a ton of tough tough times as the the fight wore on and parker porter uh just uh, kept peppering him with big shots and was able to wear him down and get this victory yeah yeah that was that was shocking to me that Porter actually had the better gas tank than Sherman. And as the fight wore on, especially in the third round where it was winning time and Porter won it. Yeah. Like it, his volume was consistent. Whereas Sherman's, you can see there was a huge drop off. He was immensely tired. Like he, he had nothing really left. There was nothing really left on his shots either. And Porter just kept coming. I was I was impressed, man. I was impressed with what Porter did and how he did it. And it was a great win by Porter. Um, Porter's uh, head movement to me was really, really crucial. Uh, not, not moving his head crazy, just moving out of the way of the shots and just being uh, just not there when Sherman threw his, his uh, punches, his head movement was was phenomenal and um it was just a stand-up war not much takedowns i thought there would be more especially when when sherman started getting a little bit tired um i thought he would um, yeah take it to the ground and uh yeah it didn't happen and uh yeah huge win i thought we were gonna see two gorillas with their arms <laughs> in the air the vanilla gorilla uh, went down to defeat and um yeah i think that was an upset uh but um, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen Porter look better. Uh, really nice to see him working on his gas tank, and he he looked uh, fresh even um, as the fight wore on. Yeah, I know he, he did look fresh, and uh, yeah, I, yeah, he, he just looked good. He looked good in there. He, he had solid um, leg attacks to Sherman's legs. Actually, they both did, but I thought Porter's was consistent with his leg attack as well into the third. And then he, he he threw that overhand right, pretty effective throughout the course of the fight. Yeah. Uh, okay. This uh, the fight uh, previous to that one uh, had a UFC newcomer from Dagestan. Uh, no, sorry, Uzbekistan. 
they said his name perfect, and I was saying it perfect that night. And I know I'm going to butcher it right now, but I'm going to give it a shot anyway. Uh, Saad Yukub, uh, Rock Mananoff, uh, no, Kok <laughs> Romanoff, sorry. Uh, Syed Yakub Kok Romanoff um, looked really good. Looked really, really good for his uh, USA debut. Um, man, he uh, really uh, was able to get an amazing choke that um, put Trevin Jones completely out. Uh, it was, um, yeah, it was an impressive debut from a guy that uh, I wish didn't have so many vowels in his name. Yes, yes, Kak Romanov. I think it was. I think it was. But I was impressed because this guy missed weight. Yeah. But it was understandable since I believe he only had ten days to prepare or something like he said that. Four. He said four. Okay, I lied. It was even <laughs> less than that. So it's understandable if he misses weight if he only has four days to prepare. All right, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give him a pass on that one. And then on top of that. He was the fresher fighter going into the third round. Yeah. I have no idea how he did that. I really don't. I do not get that at all. I was like, my goodness, this guy's the fresher fighter coming in. He looked great, man. Mm, yeah. Movement, the fight. He fought Jones in everywhere, everywhere. And he was not willing to give him an inch anywhere. Yeah. Jones, I, I thought, was trying stalling a little bit by pushing him up against the cage and fighting that way. Because to me, it seemed like he was trying to catch his breath. Yeah. Oh, you know? I felt, uh, I felt bad for Jones. Um, he tapped and Herb Dean didn't see it. Uh, Herb kept trying to move to the sides uh, to try to get the view. And when he went around the side, Jones had tapped, um, <laughs> but he went out, he was totally unconscious when Herb finally realized he was slumped down and he wasn't <laughs> awake anymore. Uh, hopefully that didn't give him any uh, long lasting effects, but um, yeah, all of a sudden, uh, rock cock monorail, whatever he put his finger to his lips and said, yep, silence everybody. Cause he knew they were cheering for the American. Uh, he seems super confident. He says he's going to uh, take down the champion he said, four days notice, look how good I was. Imagine if I get an eight-week camp. Look out, I'm coming. You guys are in trouble, uh, full of confidence. Uh, he trains out of Irvine, California, but he was all the way back in Uzbekistan uh, when he got the call with four days notice. Uh, somehow he made it all the way back and gets the huge submission win. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing this guy. Uh, there's a lot of these guys coming from these stand countries that are – dominating like crazy and uh and they have a lot of confidence too yeah they just come down from the hills or from the mountains or wherever the heck they're trading from they come out of their cave and they'd be like all right time to fight and they're just ready to go ready to roll man ah these guys are amazing i, I yeah like they're i i am happy to see them in the biggest stage because these are guys that maybe sometimes you wouldn't even know of you wouldn't even hear but then they come out of nowhere and they just start to dominate. And it's awesome yeah. because it just elevates the game and it elevates everybody else's game. Yeah. It's, it's sure a good time to be a, a fan of the UFC and mixed martial arts in general, because every single week we're seeing debuts of people that are from the far reaches of this world and they're coming in and they're just blowing us away. 
with their skill levels and the, the abilities uh, in different disciplines. And um, man, it just seems like every week it's suddenly, holy cow, I never heard about this guy. He comes in and uh, blows people away. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love it. I love the fact that like we, we have that now, like where you just like, oh, I've never even heard of this dude before. Who, who's this guy? And then it's just like, okay, he's really good. <laughs> yeah. He's really good. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's super fun. Um, so uh, I think, uh, oh, I I didn't mention that um, Gregor Gillespie, uh, Marco Madsen called out Gregor Gillespie as uh, his next opponent. Uh, he swore at him and yelled, so they cut a the little bit of the audio, but uh, he called out Gregor Gillespie. Our next guy that we're going to talk about the winning fight, uh, Vince Pichel, he also called out Gregor Gillespie. So I'm not sure exactly why Gregor's on everybody's uh, radar, but um, Pichel was really good beating Hubbard. Uh, brutal leg kicks. Uh, knocked him down about four times uh, from leg kicks uh, just because he was coming in. He would take that inside leg kick and he'd be off balance. Boom, on the ground. Um Pichel looked phenomenal. The uh, way he raises his arms and you could see his nickname on the bottom of his biceps from hell. Uh, <laughs> love watching this guy. And uh, it was a really good performance. Very good performance. Solid performance against a very, very tough competitor. Because um, Hubbard just kept coming at him. A lot of forward pressure by Hubbard constantly, even with the leg kicks, even with him being chopped down. He just kept coming at him, but Pichel dealt with that pressure very well, circled off well, um, peppered him with – like, everything that he did was – it was just technically perfect, I thought. Yeah. I really did. Like, I just thought he just did everything that he needed to do to beat this guy. Um, his combos looked great, fantastic, and then, yeah, just really picked him apart yeah. at, the end of, at the end of the day. He really did. Yeah, he was he was great. Um, he also had really good head movement. I really liked uh, the way his timing was, and uh, he he just has a little bit of a weird style to him. Um, I, I I do now know why he called out Gregor Gillespie. Uh, he lost to him in 2018, June 1st, 2018. Uh, Gillespie got him in an arm triangle choke and beat him uh, four minutes uh, into the second round in New York. Um, so he wants to avenge that loss. Yeah, well, that would make a lot of sense because that's only he only has two losses on his uh, on his record. Yeah. So yes, I would want to avenge that loss too. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see who Gillespie gets next. But uh, two guys want him. So um, yeah, one one somebody will have to wait in line. But uh, yeah, I, I I think it would be amazing to see Pichel against him and have a rematch. Uh, okay, we're going to get to talk about our first 50K winner here. The um, opening fight of the main card had uh, two flyweights that are just so fun to watch. I, I just love this division so often. Uh, the transitions, the quick movement. Um, both guys are, uh, you know, top of the game. Uh, really cool fight. But um, uh, Pantoja, uh, yeah, just an amazing submission. And he got 50K for uh, for his win. 
uh rear naked choke victory there it was it was it was really really good and slick yes it was and, and pantoja more importantly than anything was patient yeah because boy val is one heck of a man hardest guy one of the hardest guys probably to keep down on the ground because he was randy rolling he was he's always creating scrambles to yeah. get out of whatever you got got him in and Pantoja was exceptionally good at taking his back yeah. all the time. Yeah. And so, but, he, but Roy Val, to his credit, would never accept the position until finally in the second round where Pantoja got the body lock on him. And once he got the body lock on him, he actually kept him stationary for a couple seconds. Yeah. And that's all he needed oh, to sink in that rear naked choke. That was it. That was the difference. He actually kept him stationary for a brief moment, and then he sucked in the rear naked choke, and it was over. Yeah. Well, we talked in the main event about Cannoneer getting a big victory at number three and uh, should be in line to uh, have a title shot. Uh, Pantoja immediately got to look at the champ and call him out. Uh, he has actually beaten the champion twice already. They have had two fights. Uh, Brandon Moreno was there doing the Spanish broadcast. Um, they both uh, said, yeah, let's do this thing. Uh, Moreno was able to uh, get a, uh, a choke in the first fight and a uh, decision in the second fight, I think I have here. And uh, so it's pretty wild that a guy number three ranked uh, has already beaten the champion twice before he became the champion. Uh, oh, I'd be a little uh, scared, scared if I was Moreno having to fight the guy for a third time to try to keep my belt. I would be, but I think with Moreno where he is right now, he's got utter confidence in his game. Yeah. I think he knows that he's not that same fighter anymore. And I think Pantoja knows it as well. Right. Knows he's not that same fighter. Because I want to say this, that might have been the nicest, most respectful call out I think I've ever heard yeah. in my life because the man has a huge amount of respect for Marin yeah that was pretty clear from yeah. that call out. so I, I think he I think he gets it because it was just so nice you know <laughs> so nice so I, I I think he does get his wish and I I, I hope to see an absolute war yeah. because the other thing is that I've noticed with Pantoja against Roy Bao I don't know. It just seemed to me like he was getting tired. I don't know. It, it, it did. He, he, he did get the win. He did get the submission win. But if he didn't get that submission, man, I don't know. I, I think Roy Val would have really got him in trouble, put him in deep waters if that fight had continued. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Both those guys are amazing. But uh, Roy Val, man, yeah, his movement is uh, phenomenal. Really good to watch. And I loved that fight. It was fun to watch as, as long as it lasted. Uh, the feature prelim had uh, Lu uh, Austin Lingo and Luis Saldana. Uh, really great uh, battle between two great warriors. Uh, ended up um, going to a decision victory for Lingo. Uh, yeah, what were your thoughts about this one? Well, Saldana... Definitely won the first. He looked super slick. And he was hurting Lingo to the body with those body kicks. Yeah. Big time. But then Lingo toughed it out and started putting on even more pressure 
and increased the pace in the second round yeah. and then increased it again in the third. And then that's where that's where he took that's where he won the fight. I think he won the fight the second and third when he increased the pace like that. Saldana was definitely uncomfortable with that increased pace and forward pressure that he was putting on him. Yeah. Super uncomfortable with that. So I I I give Lingo all the credit in the world for that because he was not winning that fight and then he turned it around from the second onwards yeah. of that fight. Uh, I was really shocked at um, Saldana, how much he had his hands down, how much he was showing the confidence uh, in his, uh, his abilities. Um, but um, I think his uh, foot injury definitely uh, hampered him. Um, I, I think he had kicked an elbow that uh, swelled up his foot uh, right. could have probably broken it. I, I haven't heard yet, but um, that I think, um, you know, was a big key factor in this one. Yes. Yes. That's right. He did. He did uh, injure his foot and his mobility was definitely hampered by that. You could tell that he was not moving around nearly as well as what he once did in that first round. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, why don't we uh, talk about the bantamweight fight between, Brian Kelleher and Domingo Pilarte. Uh, Kelleher uh, turned the tables. Pilarte is a uh, grappling specialist, but Kelleher was able to get some takedowns and uh, hold him down there. He was really great at his um, control and uh, was able to grind out a big win. Yeah, uh, it was it was rinse and repeat from the first round to the second round to the third round. Took him down. Actually, even I think it was the second or third round where he carried him to his corner where his coaches were, slammed him to the ground, yeah. and just beat him up from there. Yeah. Uh, he, he, Pilarte, never understood the fact that he needed to get out. Like he, he was very comfortable with being a closed guard and fighting off his back, but that wasn't going to win him the fight. He needed to get up immediately because that wasn't working for him. Like it just wasn't working. But he just kept doing the same thing. Yeah. And Keller was like, oh, this is great for me. I'm just going to keep doing the same thing and win the fight. Yeah. That's what he did. He sure did. Yeah, he looked uh, he looked good doing it. Um, I loved his call out of Sugar Sean O'Malley. Uh, he said, uh, uh, quit hanging out with 6ix9ine and getting the tattoos on you. Uh, you should tattoo a vagina on you because you're such a <laughs> pussy. <laughs> I remember that. Yes, and I was just like, oh, that's good. That's good. I don't know if Sean O'Malley's going to take the fight, but that was a good call out. I liked it. That liked was it. hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, funny. That was unexpected and uh, great, though. Yeah, it was um, one of those classic ones, and uh, I, I don't know how long he's been waiting to say that, but uh, I'm glad he did. We didn't catch all of it, but, uh, you know, I, I, I could read lips, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. We had a, in the fight before this, we had a debut and we have a new Nunes as a somebody that we want to watch and has a knockout power in her fists. Uh, we got a little five, two fighter against a, five nine fighter uh styles make fights and this was fun uh nunez had to get in there and throw some big shots and uh finally she landed that left hook on the jaw and ko'd uh bia maleki 
cool performance and uh, great to see this debut of a, a new Nunes to cheer for. Yes, a new Nunes. I I like this fight because like it seemed pretty obvious what each fighter had to do. Yeah. Maleki tried to use her length and just keep her at distance and just beat her up from that. And Nunes knew what she had to do, which was go into the fire and throw her shots once she got close, yep. which is what she most certainly did. Uh, when she got uh, Maleki up against the cage and she started throwing her shots, she was vicious. Yep. And it was a flurry. Like she was trying to get her out of there as much as she could. I thought there was, there was going to be a chance of her punching herself out, but she left just enough to finish the fight. And yep. it was pretty impressive. Super impressive, yeah. Uh, today is actually Bia Malecki's 30th birthday, so uh, she's still probably not able to celebrate too well after losing uh, the first fight of her career. She was 4-0 going into this one. Uh, Nunez uh, was super emotional. Uh, she's on a seven-fight win streak, uh, but as I said, her UFC debut, uh, another Brazilian to look out for in that division and um yeah it was fun um yeah two really good up-and-comers and and i i just i love the different style like you said um uh, maleki kept with the front kicks and tried to keep her at distance but uh, nunez figured a way in to you know wade through that and, and get the knockout and uh yeah it was it was nice to see so great another great debut uh we have a 50k bonus going to William Nightmare Knight in this one. Uh, he beat up Fabio Charant. And um, man, talk about powerful physiques. Uh, this guy looks like a absolute Adonis. Uh, Knight has so much power and was able to get a huge, um, huge KO in this one. And uh, yeah, uh, look out. Uh, you don't want to be hit by those fists. No, you do not. And the way that he knocked him out was a check left hook with a straight arm. Straight arm. Yeah. Straight arm. There was, no, there was no hook to the arm at all. It was a straight arm, and he knocked him out with that. That is that, that's ridiculous power. That's unbelievable power. So that, that's somebody that you do, definitely do not want to get into a war fist with. That, that's for sure. I don't think I've ever seen somebody knock out a guy with a, a straight arm like that and just kind of hit the guy like that. There was he it was no wind up. There was no hook to it. There was no body movement to it. Yeah. He was kind of even going back and yeah. he just boom, just KO'd him with the power that he had. Holy cow! It was amazing. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous because what does it mean when he actually hits you with a good punch? Yeah. that was a bad punch yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh he did the big man backflip too uh, to show his athleticism pretty uh pretty cool i think somebody dared him to do that and um boom uh yeah i love the nickname of sharant the water buffalo uh, i was looking forward to the sanford mma product i was thinking this is going to be a great war but um yeah once uh Sharant took that shot to the chin. Uh, he was he was done. It was a quick finish after that. Yeah, it was all she wrote. And uh, Knight is now on a lot of people's radar. That's for sure after that win. D 
DC was even a little bit afraid to go into the cage uh, because of the celebration and uh, the way he was just screaming and yelling and he was stop playing with me. He kept yelling. Uh, everybody was like, uh, I, we're not playing with you, man. Uh, we don't want to mess with you, buddy. Uh, we're, we're all afraid. Uh, Knight was hyped up when he got that knockout. No, no, he was certainly hyped and uh, understandably so. It's a big win, big win for him. Okay, uh, another 50K bonus uh, for the ninth career knockout with a wheel kick. Uh, absolutely amazing finish to this fight. It looked like it's going to the judges' scorecards. Uh, Ignacio Bahamondes is going to get the victory over Roosevelt Roberts, and then he throws one last spinning wheel kick and put Roberts out. And that was it. No judges' scorecards needed. They just could rip him up from that point forward. Uh, the Chilean with the huge, huge stamp victory and another 50K in his bank account. I'm going to be honest here. That was the first fight for the prelims, and it was already at the end. I saw the, mo I saw the best part of the fight. <laughs> that, that's what I saw. I saw the best part of the fight. I'm watching the fight. And I'm like, okay, so I'm see I'm hearing where the analysts are. Like, oh, it looks like Bahamondas won this fight. That's cool. And then it's almost as if he thought, heck, I'll just throw it out there, see what happens. <laughs> Throws the spinning back kick, connects, and knocks him straight out. I was just like, oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? I just turned it on to see that? That's amazing. Oh, man, I, I was – I was amazed. Yeah. I, I was impressive. Five seconds left in the round, my friend. Yeah. Five seconds left in that third round. Gets that knockout win. Oh, it was it was awesome. It was uh, really amazing. So, uh, yeah, such an incredible kick. And we're going to see that uh, replay forever and ever and ever. And every time he comes toward the cage, we're going to see that knockout from every angle. Uh, it was it was just at the tail end of the early, uh, they had early prelims and then the prelims uh, telecast just started right near the end of that fight. So a lot of people only just saw maybe the last minute of that fight. Um, but um, yeah, he had attempted about three or four through the fight and he'd never had connected, but uh, five seconds left. Uh, might as well throw one last, one last one and Roberts walked into it. Uh, I, I've, I've really enjoyed Robert's career so far. I, I've liked, liked a lot of his fights, but um, man, that was a bad knockout. No, oh, yeah, no, that was that was super bad knockout, man. Like it was, it was a perfectly thrown spinning back kick, yeah, spinning heel kick or what hook kick, whatever you want to call it. It was perfectly thrown, and Roosevelt walked right into it, and it was all she wrote. Yeah. Done. Uh, next week's combatants for the main event has Edson Barbosa and Giga Chikadze. And Barbosa was the guy that landed the first knockout wheel kick in UFC history. Yes. And I believe that was against Terry Edom. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Right. I'll never forget that because he stiffened up like a board and looked like he died. So yeah, I'll never forget that. Yeah. And Barbosa is known for his kicking game. He's one of only two fighters to finish multiple opponents with leg kicks. 
he has just ruthless, lethal leg kicks, has been able to finish fights, kicks to the head, kicks to the body, kicks to the legs. Multiple uh, fighters could not withstand his uh, kicks. Uh, he has fought the who's who uh, in the UFC. Giga Chikadze has really not fought a lot of tough guys. Uh, the quality of opponents that Barboza has fought and the quality of opponents that Giga Chikadze has fought is night and day. Uh, Barboza has obviously lost more than Chikadze, but um, the quality of opponents is it's just ridiculous, the difference. Oh, yeah. This is a huge step up for Giga. Yeah. This is to show, does he belong in the upper echelons or does he still have some work to do? Right. Because Giga is also known as a kicker. So I'm looking forward to this exceptional talent of kickers going at one another. Like, like am I going to see a blood sport where it's kick for kick? You want to kick me? Ah, kick, bang, bang, bang. Like, that's what I want to see. Yeah. I want to see it. I definitely want to see that. I'm looking forward to this fight. I I, I, I can't wait. I can't yeah. wait to see this main fight. I want to see these two lethal kickers go at each other. Yeah. In the kicking competition. I'm uh, I'm I'm kind of favoring Barboza in this one. Um, he's won his last two. He uh, he had a big knockout of Shane Burgos, his last opponent. He beat. Um, Mr. Finland, um, uh, Merkan Amerikani by decision in 2020 in Abu Dhabi. Um, he, he was on a bit of a losing streak uh, before these last couple wins, um, but that was in, in, in a, at lightweight. He, I think he's better at his current weight. Uh, he lost to Dan Ige, Paul Felder, Justin Gaethje, Kevin Lee, and Khabib. So, uh, you know... Uh, all really, really, really tough guys. Uh, but um, once he's been at featherweight, he's won two out of his last three. Uh, his kickboxing record is 25 and three with 22 knockouts. He's black belt Muay Thai, Taekwondo, and uh, BJJ. Um, he has just, uh, yeah, just been that lethal, lethal guy with his kicks. And I, I just see... Chikadze just not being on that same level. Uh, Chikadze's uh, toughest opponent out of his whole entire career is Cub Swanson. Um, he you can't really even name anybody else that's uh, even in that top 15, top 20. Uh, so um, I think he's bit off a little more than he can chew, but um, we'll see. Um, Barbosa has been beat, but um, I don't know. I think the I think Barbosa's better at the game than Chikadze is and has faced much better opponents than him. Oh, yeah. Like, like there's no doubt that the opponents that uh, Barboza has faced is uh, definitely levels above what Giga has faced. But this is Giga's chance to show that he belongs. Yeah. This is his chance. So we'll see if he's ready for the spotlight to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he has said that he's going to walk through Barboza and then he wants to be the backup to uh, backup fighter for Volkanovsky uh, Ortega uh, at UFC 266 in September in case one of those guys can't make it, um, falls off for some reason, injury or pullout or COVID. Uh, he said he wants to be the guy. Um, Max Holloway 
and Yair Rodriguez. Uh, they were supposed to be maybe in that mix. Now they're fighting against each other in November. So he said, there's nobody else that should be that backup guy. Put me in. I'm, I'm knocking out Barboza, and then I'm coming for that belt. Uh, whoever falls off, I'm going to be uh, facing uh, facing that guy so I can win the title right away. Yeah, that's that's a, it's a nice like little dream there and stuff like that. Like That's a nice thing that he's constructed in his mind. I don't think any of that's going to happen. But, um, yeah, uh, I- I'm sure somebody will be on standby. I just don't believe it will be him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm really looking forward to the Kevin Lee, D-Rod, Daniel Rodriguez fight. Uh, I think that's going to be an absolute war. Yes, I totally agree with you. I think Daniel Rodriguez will want to try to keep it standing and try to hit him with his exceptional boxing, his boxing shots, and I think Kevin Lee will just try to shoot and ground and pound him into, like, the ground, into the canvas. He'll try to put his head through it, yeah. I believe. So I think two guys definitely have their their plans of attack for this fight, and it's just going to be who can execute. Yeah. Uh, the feature uh, fight of the prelims has Alessio de Chikoro, uh facing Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Uh, man, two killers in this one. Uh, Sam Alvey's on the card. I really look forward to the light heavyweight battle between Darren the Dentist Stewart and Dustin Jacoby. Um, yeah, there's a lot of newcomers too on the card as always uh, for these fight nights. Uh, anybody else jumping out for you for this one? Nah, for me, the fight that I'm looking at, especially for this prelim, would be Darren the Dentist Stewart against Dustin Jacoby. I've always liked Darren the Dentist Stewart. I love this. I love his game. I love the way that he comes at people and the way that he fights and Dustin Jacoby is just super tough. So that would be the fight that I'd be paying most attention to on the prelims. Cool. Uh, Conor McGregor is uh, in the news quite a bit again. He's picked a bunch of fights uh, as always. Uh, Still going at uh, Dustin Poirier. uh, Talking a lot of smack about him. Also picking on Khabib a bit. And then he said he's owed a bunch of money uh, because Manny Pacquiao uh, uh, broke his contract and had this fight this weekend when he was supposed to fight somebody else. If he wasn't fighting Connor, he was supposed to fight somebody else. So he owes, he says he owes him a bunch of money and they're going to have to go to court and settle it if, uh, if possible. And I heard uh, a new nickname for Connor McGregor that I kind of like. Uh, people are calling him now Jacked McLegger. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. <laughs> that's good. He, uh, supposedly he's getting really big upper body because he can't work his lower body. So he's putting in twice as much work on the upper body. And uh, supposedly he looks pretty jacked. But Jack McLegger, that's a good one. I uh, hope that sticks for a while. Um, there's yeah just so much twitter beef between him and poirier him and khabib uh he just he just likes picking fights and having a lot of uh things going on he's uh seems like to be, he's always in the news uh he just won't go away um uh there was a sort of a sad moment this weekend in the world of combat sports uh manny pacquiao ended up losing 
And he said there's about a 60-40 chance that that was the last fight of his career. Uh, he lost He lost his fight. He was uh, supposed to be fighting Errol Spence Jr. And uh, Spence ended up um, getting a torn retina, having to have surgery. And so Jordanus um, uh, Ugas stepped up and uh, took the decision win over Manny, uh, 116-112 on two judges' cards, 115-113 on the other. Uh, Pacquiao started off quite well, um, but he started fading in the middle of the fight, and uh, um really used that reach advantage, uh, kept him at bay, landed a lot of jabs and some pretty strong rights, and um, Manny looked old. Uh He's 42 now, been through a ton of wars, um, doesn't uh, have the same fire and intensity that I remember seeing in his younger days. Uh, he did come up with a little bit of an excuse. Um, he said his legs cramped up super bad in about the third round onwards. He said he's had this problem before, and he said it cropped up and he didn't know what to do about it. Uh, he said he just didn't have the movement he needed. Uh, he said it could be age, but these cramps were really bad and uh, really restricted his movement. Uh, did you get to see any of the highlights of this one? No, I didn't get to see the highlights, but I did get to see um, what his wife had to say about his, uh, his boxing career, which is pretty much begging her husband to stop okay. at this point in time. And I, I remember seeing it off, uh, I think it was a Twitter thing that she posted. And, um, and to me, I, I have to look at his career and say, you're a Hall of Famer. You've accomplished everything you could have ever wanted to accomplish in the realm of boxing. I think now it's time to hang him up. And, and also, too, he surpassed what anybody's boxing like uh, career would have gone to. He boxed into his 40s. Nobody does that. Yeah. Nobody does that. So. There's nothing more for him to prove. Yeah. He's done it all, and he has more than enough money in the bank for himself, for his kids, for his kids' kids. Right. Possibly his kids' kids' kids. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there's, he's good. Yeah. And I think this is one of those times where you should listen to your family and be like, I think I'm good. Yeah. I think it's time to call it a career. It's not like he's, um, you know, started uh, losing all the time. He's five and two in his last seven fights, uh, but he's only fighting about once a year now. Uh, he has uh, taken a huge political role in the Philippines. Uh, he actually wants to become president of the country. That's one of his stated goals. And um, he thinks that uh, he can help the Philippines, which uh, has a lot of issues and a lot of troubles financially in the world economy. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he has surpassed anybody's expectations for what he was going to do in his career. Uh, one of the greatest of all time. Um, he said he felt like he might've overtrained for this one, which is pretty wild. He said he did 32 rounds of boxing every day in the gym and then he ran in the mountains uh, to keep his legs sharp. But he thinks that that was a little bit too much at 42. And uh, it might have contributed to his leg issues. That's crazy. That's crazy. Like, like, like 
what you just like detailed explained is that's just utter nuttiness. But at the same time, that's what it takes to be a Manny Pacquiao. That's what it takes to be great. Yeah. So yes, possibly overtrained for that guy, but at at the same time, that's why he is who he is. Yeah. Because he's willing to do that. He's willing to go to places that others aren't. Yeah. Uh, one of the greatest uh, boxing careers of all time. I have so much respect for him. I actually really, um, yeah, cannot believe how much he's gotten out of uh, that career and. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think I don't I don't ever recommend guys to retire. You know, I'm not in their shoes. I don't know how it feels. I, I really don't. But um, I think, yeah, it might be just time to walk away. Uh, you know, you're going to still be considered one of the greatest of all time and um, yeah, held in high regard. And um, yeah, go on to help your country by becoming president. That's uh, a super smart and admirable thing to do. 72 total fights as a pro 62 wins, eight losses. And I think you're good. Personally. I think you're good, man. I think you're good. Yeah. yeah. That's that's me. good point. Very good point. Uh, the world of boxing is about to see another one of the Paul brothers fight uh, this coming weekend. Jake Paul faces Tyron Woodley this time. Uh, he was able to, uh, get his record up to three and zero. He beat another YouTuber his first battle. Uh, he fight uh, fought a Nate Robinson who had never boxed in his second battle and, and beat him handily. Uh, knocked out Ben Askren in uh, less than two minutes uh, in his last fight and uh, picked a fight with Tyron Woodley backstage of that one. And now uh, this Saturday they are going to fight. Um, I'd be surprised if Woodley doesn't absolutely just kill him. I have not been impressed with Woodley in the UFC for the past few years, but um, I think he's probably going to just absolutely kill this guy. I, I can't see him not. I can't either. But what if he loses? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's The possibility exists. Yeah. But here's the one thing that's an absolute this will probably be his biggest payday that he's ever had in yeah. combat sports. Yeah. And that's sad. That's that's ridiculous. That's sad. Yeah. Because this is like this is an exhibition boxing match. That that's what this is. Right. And that's gonna be your biggest payday. You fought in the UFC. You were a champion. You fought in championship fights. Yeah. And you couldn't get this much money. That's a travesty. That's yeah. not right. Not right at all. No, it's definitely not right and uh, crazy. But yeah, I know you. You won't be watching it. I'll I'll put it on to, so I can talk about it a little bit with you and let you know how it is. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a ton of rappers, you know, presenting. <laughs> there'll be a lot of uh, obscure guys that never even knew that were uh, even thinking about boxing. They'll, it'll just be uh, a lot of weed smoking, a lot of uh, craziness. But um, yeah, I. I uh, I shouldn't watch it, but because I'm doing this, I, I probably will. And uh, I'll give you an update uh, on Monday. You give me that update because that's just what I know I'm going to hear. Wow. I really regret that, Jason. I really <laughs> do. Again. But I watched it. I, watched I did it, it again. I, why did I do it again? <laughs> why did I do it again? Yeah, I've, 
I've watched most of these and I've been like shaking my head almost the whole time. Uh, Scott Holborn usually texts me and says, are you watching this travesty? Are you watching this farce? And it's, uh, it's all pretty, it's just crazy. Uh, it's amazing. And like you say, it's uh, unbelievable that this many people will be tuning in. Uh, I think the last pay-per-view that Jake Paul was in got a million and a half pay-per-view buys at 60, 70 bucks a crack. Uh, so there's money there. There's money there. They'll keep doing it as long as people keep watching. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Hey, I, I'll give it to them. They're managing to find those people that are willing to spend that money for that. <laughs> so congrats to them. Congrats to them. And also to congrats to, all those guys that are actually getting paid by these dudes yeah. putting on these fights, right? So, yeah. hey, Tyrone Woodley, you deserve it. You're getting paid, finally. <laughs> In the weirdest way possible, but you are getting paid. Finally getting paid, yeah. Yeah, I I got so mad at Woodley in his last uh, three or four matches. I just was disgusted with his effort, and he just seemed like he didn't even try. Um uh, I'm not sure yeah, if we'll see much of an effort because I think he's probably getting paid no matter what, win or lose, but I'm sure he does not want to lose to a YouTuber and have that uh, on, his, on his record and everybody being able to mock him for it. So um, I expect him to, to win. I, I don't know. Jake Paul, uh, you know, he's beat nobody's really. Ben Askren was never a boxer. So, um, yeah. Uh, well, I guess we'll see. Like I said, we'll see. We will see. We will definitely see. Like by all accounts, Tyro Woodley should win this fight, but he might not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to let you go now. We're going to close this uh, episode off. I have a marathon of watching tonight. I got to watch the cornhole championships, the slippery stairs, the air hockey, the golden tee, death diving world championships, uh, disc golf, on and on and on. Holy cow, man. Uh, luckily, I don't start for 12 hours. Uh, 9 a.m. start tomorrow for me. So I can stay up for like another maybe eight, uh, seven or eight hours watching all this stuff. And uh, I'll give you some text tomorrow and let you know what was my favorite thing to watch out of all these crazy championships. You do that. I'm going to go to bed because my start time is 6.30. So, oh, early yeah. one. Early one. Early one. Early one for myself there, my friend. So, okay, well, uh, yeah, thanks for doing this. It was fun as always, man. Uh, this was uh, really great. We covered a ton of topics and and uh, had a blast as, as usual, man. Uh, so have a great week. Keep in touch. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk very soon. We'll talk very soon. You, got, you have yourself a great day tomorrow. Okay, buddy. All right. Take care. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah, that, uh, that was fun. We covered so much there. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to sign off so I can get to um, all the sports. Uh, I did want to, um, yeah, is it? Uh, no, it's not up here. So I'm going to have to uh, talk about our partners and sponsors. We've got... Um, Anchor FM, the easiest place to make a podcast. Go to anchor.fm and follow the details, and you can do what Jason and I just did here. Uh, Verbero, the hockey equipment and apparel company. 
Uh, the V350 stick is a dynamic stick that you need in your hands or hands of a loved one. Uh, Pampas and Possibilities, the designers of handmade, curated West Coast things that you can put in your home and forever living. The Aloe Vera Company, they design products for health and beauty. Uh, thanks, as always, to our partners and sponsors. Thanks to you. Thank you so much, Larray Joel, for all your hard work. Uh, go to our website. Um, great stories, uh, great things uh, posted every day. And um, go to our main website, Complete Media Network. Tons of content there. Uh, there will be something that you can find that you'll love. Uh, you can find things to do. We've got entertainment uh, we've got travel. We've got just everything and anything. So thanks for your support as always. Love you guys lots. Take care of yourself and bye for now.